Oh, hold on. We're live now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. So go okay. ahead. Just be quiet for a second. Well, because I have to edit all this out. Okay. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me, as always, is Caleb Jenks. Bear with me as I'm adjusting something here on my end. Okay. There we go. And tonight is Sunday, May 9th, and we are talking about conflict in the church. So when we talk about conflict in the church, we're not, you know, surprising everybody with the idea that there is conflict in the church. I think everybody who has gone to church for more than six months knows that the modern day American church is kind of the perfect recipe for annoying one another. So we're around people and we're around people a lot and we have to figure out, you know, kind of how to get along. And when there are problems, we need to figure out how to fix those problems. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And maybe we can bring up some specific cases that Caleb, you or I have gone through in the years and we can kind of see how that works out. It's not going to be a popular topic and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why. Number one, most people don't believe that there is a local church that has authority. Most people believe in what I call the universal invisible church. And that is the idea that all Christians around the world are all part of the same church. So Caleb and I are make up the church. And the fact is, the Bible just doesn't say that. If you want to say that Caleb and I make up the body of Christ, okay, there's an argument there. If you want to say that Caleb and I are both part of what Jesus called the bride, okay, that's fine. And if you want to say that every Christian alive makes up the church, you can do that so long as you distinguish between the universal invisible church and the local church because there is a local church and in that local church there are positions there are benefits there are responsibilities and that's what we're talking about tonight it's not just every christian in the world makes up the church no the church is a group of believers that meets together and worships god together uh, caleb is part of a church down there in Texas. I'm part of a church up here in Colorado. And it's a group of believers that get together, you know, once a week, twice a week, whatever you want to do. And you worship God together. You study the Bible together. You pray together. You pray for one another when you're not around each other. And that's the whole idea of the church. Now, with that, the Bible talks about this idea that there is going to be conflict. And when that conflict happens, there are ways to deal with it. Not only that, but when sin enters into the church of certain kinds that cause certain types of problems, there is what's called church discipline. Now, nobody likes talking about this, and I doubt many of us have ever been to a church service where this was discussed, and I would go ahead and bet that only one out of a thousand of us have ever been part of a church that exercises church discipline. But the Bible talks about it. So 
God wants us to know about it. God wants us to do it. It's something that we're not supposed to avoid. It's something that we're supposed to deal with. And the idea here is that if we do this and if we do this correctly, the church is going to be better for it. It's going to be better for the group of believers that are worshiping together. It's going to be better for the individual or couple of individuals that are causing the problems. Because remember, the whole idea with church discipline, with any kind of discipline in the Bible, is for reconciliation. Every single time, the, the goal is to get the people who are far away from God and doing wrong and and you know causing the problems with the sin, the, the goal is to get those people to turn and to take a step back in the direction of Jesus and start doing things right, and that's going to be better for them. So that's always the idea. Okay, Caleb, I've gone on a little bit. Why don't you tell us what you think here? And uh, Caleb did all the studying for this, so uh, hopefully he's ready. I was studying for my, my industry written test and skills exam for my EMT that's coming up in a couple of days, so I didn't I didn't prepare as much as I usually do. So, Caleb, take it away. Well, I, I prepared as much as I usually did do, which is oh, very little. <laughs> rather, it, Awesome. No, I. So you brought up the idea of the local body and how we interact with the local body of Christ, the local church, and the importance of that, which is interesting because this is where the rubber meets the road in how we actually show our loved one for another is when there is conflicts and when there's problems in the church and how we how we resolve the conflicts do you uh do you take a wrecking ball to the church situation or do you Mm -hmm. choose love and peace um do you take a stand on on doctrinal issues do you take a stand against sin? And obviously there, it gets very complicated and very messy. And then you just sometimes just have people that are just plain annoying personalities. Um, yeah. And, and we can't just kick them out just because they, they, they only serve the church in one way. And that's as a bad example. It's, <laughs> right. They have to have a place to go to church too. You know? So I don't know what your experience is. I've not had a lot of church experience to be honest. Um, I grew up out of out out of church, home church, no church, whatever you call it. So my church experience has been limited to pretty much my married life has been my my church experience the last ten years. And fortunately, I've not run into a lot of conflict in the church, but I have definitely seen conflicts within the church, and I've been a part of churches that had just split or just come from another church. And, mm-hmm. um, I've definitely seen the effects of what that hap- what that, what happens long-term when a church splits and depending on how it's done, it can actually be a healthy thing or it can be a very unhealth- unhealthy thing. And so that's, that's kind of interesting to me when you look in, in scripture and you see where there's disagreements and conflicts and, and people parted their ways and still were both effective for the same mission. That's to me as is something that we should look at as Christians and, and be willing to resolve conflicts in a godly way, even if it means a parting of ways to not allow bitterness to uh, to take over. Uh, I told Patrick this should be our our theme verse for the night is Romans twelve eighteen, and this is uh, I, I I always like this because. <laughs> 
it gives the first part of the first the first part of the verse gives a disclaimer and it says if it be possible as much as lieth <laughs> in you live peaceably with all men and we all run across impossible people in impossible situations where sometimes it's it's not a very peaceful scenario there's been on uh, a couple of occasions situations that arose in my church short church history where there was a parting of ways and it just was not peaceable to continue trying to do life together in church because of sin or because of um attitudes whatever and so i now have, let me ask you something yeah let, hold on are do you have any examples that you can give from another church from a friend well that's something <laughs> that we can bring up that wouldn't you know because i mean the, neither of us want to bring up anybody that could you know be hurt by this so right. i'm not looking to i'm not looking you, to do you, that you but you, you don't want me to drag out all the dirty laundry <laughs> no and i don't i don't want to hear any names of any problems from people in your church or my church or any church that right you know we've gone to but um, it would be good if we could give examples, even, you know, kind of like they do with true stories. We're going to change the name and a couple of details <laughs> in order to try to, you know, give you an idea here. Well, yeah, exactly. So in in general, uh, the, the conflicts that I've seen in church, there, mm -hmm. there are there are hundreds of conflicts that come up that are easily resolved. And yeah. usually if sin isn't, isn't involved or even if there is sin involved mm -hmm. but it is somebody that's a repentant person and it's not mm -hmm. a uh you know a sin that really affects other people it's their own it's their own personal issue i th i think it's mm -hmm. almost always possible to move past those issues differences of vision for a church differences of where the uh, direction of the church or doctrine those things can be things that i think that at times it's beneficial to possibly have a parting of ways if you can't if you can't agree and it's it's kind of crazy because i i personally prefer to be in a church where i disagree with people and, and we don't all see eye to eye on everything i i, I personally I agree. prefer to be in that situation than in a church where everybody thinks alike and and believes the same thing yeah because then what's the point of getting <laughs> together and studying the bible right there's like no challenge everyone just stay home yeah just stay home and keep believing what you believe you know, so, so I okay. So I, I like the ahead, idea of there being some conflict or some differences of opinion, some you know discussion within the church, mm -hmm. and not everybody does everything the same. But when it gets to a, a point of contention where where there's two separate visions, and and one group of people want to go one way, and another group of people want to go another way, I think as Christians sometimes we should humble ourselves enough to be willing to say, all right, if that's God's call on your life to go that direction and to pursue that vision, then we're going to bless you and allow you to do that. And the, the, the easiest resolution for that conflict is to allow the church to split or allow that group of people to go on their, their merry way. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes uh, conflicts don't necessarily need to be resolved. They resolve themselves when you just go and you chase God and you don't get so sticky with each other. And I've seen, mm -hmm. I've seen church conflicts before where, where a church went through a really, really nasty split. And at the end of the split, both sides of the church were devastated by it, but both went on to pursue their their vision that they had in the first place. And they were they were very their both sides of the church were hampered be, by their focus on themselves and this internal 
chaos that was going on between between the the members of the church. And I'm like, man, if you guys could have just gone on your merry way from the beginning, and this half of the church mm-hmm. goes and they they plant this new church and they pursue this vision that they want to do. And that could have remained as your focus rather than focusing on the differences of opinion, then maybe you could be more effective in the kingdom. Instead, now you're all butthurt. <laughs> I don't know if that's a bad word, but somebody will call me out on it. <laughs> you're all you're all sitting around here sulking because you lost your friends and, and whatever. And sometimes I think that, that we focus so much on, on our personal desires and opinions and whatever that we get very, very inward focused and, the, and we make conflicts way worse than they are. Now, let me ask you this, because the direction you're going here and what you're talking about is differences of opinion as far as beliefs, doctrinal beliefs, and the idea that if there's a conflict, there's nothing wrong with a church deciding we're going to go this way, you guys go that way, and we're just going to hold to these different beliefs because we think they're important and we're okay splitting up over them. I know a lot of people, Caleb, that are 100% against that idea. Like a church splitting up is like the end of the world. I don't see that as a big deal. And it sounds like you don't either. But there are far too many. And I hate to tell you, it's usually driven by the pastor who is usually you know, the stronger figure in the church who feels like he'll be losing out on what he has built as opposed to, like you said, everyone deciding, you know, what, we're going to go this way. You're going to go that way. We're just all going to run after God as hard as we can. And we can still love each other. <clears throat> we can still be brothers and sisters in Christ, we're just going to <clears throat> do it a little differently and that's okay. Is am I hearing you right? right. Is that well, where if you're you, at? Yeah, if you have to fight your brother in order to stay in relationship to your brother, then all of a sudden yeah. the world does not know us by our love one for another, but are fighting one mm-hmm. another. <laughs> and so yeah. sometimes it's just it's not even logical to think that it's so important that everyone has to stay under the same roof, meet in the same building or or whatever, same venue in order to be a healthy Christian and at times I've seen churches where I'm like, all right, you know what, after all this fighting, it would be best if you guys just sit down, shut up and go to church together because now there's almost no way that this church, that this split is going to be healthy because it's gotten so nasty. And all of a sudden you guys are yeah. condemning each other. And, and, and so I sometimes think that we shouldn't be so stuck on the fact that churches have to grow and become this big, huge conglomerate or mega church or whatever it becomes that we're not mm-hmm. willing to say, all right, if, if we have a difference of opinion, let's sit down and have a respectful discussion. If Is this the vision that you feel that God is calling to? Is this the beliefs that you hold to? And is there room for you to go and pursue those beliefs without me having to come along with you and try to drag you my way? You know, let's just go our separate ways mm-hmm. and you go serve God and I'll give you my blessing on it. And that's, to me, that's a very Christ-like thing to do. It's not like we are somehow beholden to one another in, in that we have to attend the same church. I personally think that church... Uh, small churches and small home groups and, uh, you know, whatever. I, I, I really think, I mean, in the business world, competition is a good thing, right? So, no, so I, it, I agree. It, <clears throat> as soon as ch- you get, oh, go ahead, finish your thought. Well, I was just say in the church world, it's, it's gets more complicated, I think, because, um, because of I the money. Gets, 
Well, well, I think it's more complicated because because of the idea of trying to submit one to another, and Mm -hmm. and obviously that is that is a big that is an important thing. But sometimes in submitting one to another, I think that's sometimes submitting to the laity of the church as well, and saying, all right, if this is God's call on your life, then we're going to bless you and go out and do this, and we're not going to fight you on it. I mean, unless unless they're saying, you know, we want to go start a strip club, or we want to do something that's Mm -hmm. ungodly, or you know, doctrinally, does that that happen often down there? (laughs) I don't think so. That, I didn't realize that was. But I mean, if they wanted to go problem. start a church, what's so terrible about starting a church, you know? Or no, I, opinion. So I, I totally agree. I, what? Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you this, because when we were talking about this topic, I did not think we were going down this road. Okay. I thought we were going to go down a road of some more juicier, you know, scandalous ideas, okay. and that is conflict in the church based on not a difference in belief, but a problem with sin in the church and a problem with conflict one to another. That's where well, I thought we were going to go. I, I and, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint our listeners because I think oh, yeah. they want to no, hear that, the knockdown drag out that. fights that come in, you know, from, from sin. Yeah. Well, sometimes I, I find that at, a, at the root of a disagreement, there is sin. And then also I've sure. found times where at the root of a of a disagreement was a difference of opinion. And all of a sudden, because of that conflict, then you start trying to cherry pick each other's lives and 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 demoralize mm-hmm. the other person. So you try to turn it into a sin issue when it was never a sin issue in the first place. And I've seen that happen mm-hmm. on multiple occasions where all of a sudden, you know, you guys aren't even Christians and, and you know, how dare you? How dare you try to go and start another church? You guys are you guys are not even Christians. You're not even saved, and and we're the mm-hmm. we're the true Christians, and and you're the you know whatever. So I think that that's that's my th- my thought with it is on on the large scale. I see Christians sometimes have healthy splits and extremely unhealthy splits, and then of course the, on the personal level, there's going to be that whole side of just personal conflicts within the church. And I thought that's probably mm-hmm. more the direction you were thinking of. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to go over I'm going to bring up two very broad subjects and I can give, you know, I can give you some examples uh that I've run into um, you know, in years past and and friends and pastors from around the country that have called me and we've talked about things. So, we're not going to be you know, calling anyone out that listens to this podcast because Lord knows <clears throat> not enough people around the country do. So we're, we're not really ever in danger of that. So the two things that, that come up that I was thinking of is <clears throat> number one, a doctrinal issue that is causing a problem. I, and I'm just going to use a couple Bible words here. That's going to cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine, which ye have learned. And, and I'm quoting from Romans there, and we can get to it. So we're talking about, you know, Caleb, you and I, <clears throat> we hold differences of opinion that are serious enough where, let's say, me and my family come and, and we start attending your church, and then we start trying to push the church in a direction uh, with some doctrinal beliefs that you guys find to be just too far outside of the box for us to get along and contrary to what the Bible says. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can pick specifics like as mustache, we go through mustaches, this. for instance, mustaches. Okay. Gu- there guys, you go. Guys with only mustaches and we hold mm-hmm. as a church that you have to get you yep. mustaches. Okay. Then the other one is a problem where someone has 
caused an offense to another person. So I have personally done something wrong to you. And this could be outside of the church. And whichever one of these you want to start with is is fine. Um, Then the the third one we could talk about is there is a person, a couple, a family, or a group that is involved with sin that is known, and they are not trying to, you know, get over it. They are just happy living in it, and they don't see a problem with it, and that is affecting other people in the church. So those are the three. Um, I'm ready to talk about the... We could talk about any of them. So where do you want to start? Which one of those things you want to go over? And I got a little bit of Bible here for well, for I'm particularly I'm particularly interested in the first one that you brought up that just kind of sparked my interest when you when you first brought that up. I'm like, hmm, I can definitely see this. Uh, this is one of those things where you see the storm brewing a long time before it happens. And yes. I've I've had conversations with a few people about this particular issue recently, and I had devotions at our church this morning and and, and talked about mm-hmm. humility, uh, simply looking at at church church issues from a point of my perspective is the right perspective everybody else is wrong and so therefore <laughs> you kind of constantly are just critical of the church and critical of the direction the church yep. is going and, and you want to push it in a different way and this is for my generation this is a very popular thing to do it's almost like you're not you're not a you're not a critical thinker if you're not critical of the church that you attend and you sure. you know if you don't if you're not vocal about the fact that you don't agree with everything that they stand for and that you're somehow quite a bit of a better christian than they are and they've got these issues so this is mm-hmm. this is an issue where i have i have been in churches i was in a church where mm-hmm. there was people that left the church over this this particular issue, they wanted to change the church. And I sat down with some of them mm-hmm. and I said, there's other churches out there that believe like you yep. want to believe. Why stay here and yep. try to change us? You know, go and find okay. a church that suits your suits your fancy and go and be happy there, but don't stay here and be miserable and make everybody else miserable hoping that you're going to change us. Because quite frankly, you're probably not going to. Yeah, and this is and, not and my realistically, church, but no, no, no. And and you honestly, Caleb, you you hit the nail right on the head. You are not going to change a church. It just, it really just never happens. And the reason is the church, whatever they are, whoever they are, whatever they believe, they have gotten to the place that they are based on those things. So if you have a church that started out in someone's garage and more families joined, and then you rented out a storefront and more people joined, and then you raised money and you built a building and more families joined, and now the church is up to, you know, whatever, four or 500 people on a Sunday morning. Okay. And, and you got a lot of people and you're doing a lot of things. Someone coming in to that church and telling them that they're doing it all wrong and they need to change A, B, and C is not going to get anywhere because right. everyone that's at the church likes it and they like who they are. They like what they are. They like what they believe. They like what they do. And for you to come in and change it right or wrong, that has no bearing right. on it. The Bible has no bearing on it. The odds of changing a church is very infrequent. Now I had one of my favorite preachers who was invited to a church that was contrary to the way he believed and he taught things. And it mostly had to do with end times and prophecy and different things. And this guy was invited and it was a very large church. I mean, it was the, the pastor was a public figure in a very large state in America. And so he was surprised that he was being invited there. 
and the pastor brought him up and he, he introduced him and he said, everybody, that this is this gentleman and I've invited him here. And he said, I have been teaching you about the end times and prophecy and the second coming of the Lord Jesus incorrectly. And he says, this man is going to teach us the truth out of the Bible tonight. And I am going to sit in the front row as a church member and a student, and we are going to learn the truth tonight. And it was like jaw dropping right. to see someone be that humble, but God got a hold of him and God showed him this. And he's like, you know what? I've been making a mistake. God showed me. I am going to correct it. And it was, it was a wonderful thing. It, he was very well received. He said that despite how differently that whole church believed, he said they were the nicest people he'd ever met in his entire life. He said the whole church was just so wonderful. They received him so well. And, you know, what happened from there, who knows? But what we have to understand is that is an outlier, right? That doesn't normally happen. When Nathan the prophet came and spoke to David, David didn't take it well. All right, David didn't want to hear that he messed up and that there are problems. As a matter of fact, when you read through the entire Old Testament, the the, the person with the shortest lifespan in Israel was usually a prophet because right. they'd always show up and tell you what you were doing wrong and people would be sick of it and they didn't want to hear it and they'd kill him. So you have to understand, and Caleb hit it on the head. There are lots of churches in this town that believe the way you do. Why did you come to one that believes differently? And you're trying to change everybody. Right. And it's really just a stupid play on the person who comes to the church. Know what the church believes that you're going to. And if they believe very differently on some points that you feel are important, you probably just shouldn't go there. You should probably find a place that you know believes the way that you do on these issues that you feel are important. So that way, because all you're doing, like Caleb said it, he said, you just see the conflict coming a mile away. And these people are like, you know, you're like, man, what are they doing here? They're just so, they don't, you know, they don't, they're not like us. They don't believe like us. And so, you know, what are they doing here? And sooner or later, they are not going to stay, but they're going to bang their head against the wall, trying to change everyone for, you know, weeks or months or sometimes years only to make a very bitter departure. And it's just a problem for everyone. So I think my solution to that first problem is to the person that's making the problem, you know, just, <laughs> I mean, just don't do it, you know, so find the place where you're comfortable. Go ahead. So have you, uh, I know people that, that feel like it's their mission to change, you know, they're like, all right, we just, this is my mission. I've met this church. They have, they're wrong mm -hmm. on this, this issue. And this is God's, God has sent me here to fix them and to, and to enlighten them. This is their mission that they're on. Sure. And so, of course, in this in the situation that that they're right, which obviously they believe they're right, but let's say that they're right, and mm -hmm. they and they're on this mission, I still wonder how beneficial it is to be determined to infiltrate a group and then try to change it from the inside out. I don't know that that's mm -hmm. a Christian ethical thing to do. Don't infiltrate a group and then try to de deceptively change them from the inside out. Go sit down, have honest discussion with the leadership of the church. If you're interested in joining the church, say, this is my belief system. I believe you guys are wrong on this. And how are we going to mm -hmm. deal with this? Don't try to slowly resolve the issue around meeting after meeting, 
subtly being passive aggressive in the church for months or years trying to get your point across. We were we were we visited a church there in Colorado a few different times, and um, I'll 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 bring up after the episode here who it was. Sure. But you actually know the person, I think. Um, anyways, after church, we were we would visit, and this has happened on three separate occasions. I think we visited the church four times, and out of four times that we visited that church, three times I had conversations with this guy, and I think the guy would actually be proud to have me publicly state, you know, what his belief was. But he would he would stand there in front of the other members of the church, in front of the elders, and mm. he would trash talk the church in church. He'd sit there all the way through the service, and then after church, he would stand there and openly trash the church. And I just was like, "This is very interesting." And he'd be like, "Well, church is just a, it, <laughs> it's just a, you know it's just a theater. It's just you know you sit down and watch the show. Mm-hmm. The pastor comes up and he does this thing, and and he was it was just very very interesting to me. And I was I at least appreciated that he was open about it. Like everybody knew everybody sure. there knew this is the this is the attitude that the guy had. He didn't make a mm-hmm. secret of it. And I, I was like, man, this is unbelievable that somebody like, why even show up to church if you're just going to sit here and complain about it? Sure. But yet I have to say, I respected the fact that he was at least open and honest about it. And I learned from that, mm-hmm. that at least be shoot straight. Don't double deal. Don't say one thing sure. to the, the church leadership and then go behind the church leadership's back and say, say things, say something else to, to other people. So I, I think that I think that sometimes it is beneficial to have those discussions. You don't have to agree with the church and you don't always have to just go along with it and sit down and shut up, but there's a respectful way to go about those conversations with direction. So that is still really ties into the same, the same topic that we were on to start with. Uh, Well, what was, it seems like you had three other or two other. Well, okay. So let me, let me just go over this and I'm going to copy and paste this. So this is going to show up in the comments and it's a long verse, but you know, or it's a, a long three verses, but you know what? I mean, that's what we do here. So, uh, hold on copy. Okay. So you if you have a Bible, to, you can narrow it down to two verses. Three is a lot, man. Yeah. Or maybe just like three words, or can I just put up a picture like a meme? Cause that would, <laughs> that would really help everyone. Okay. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good, and simple concerning evil. Now, Caleb, I want to bring something up here because this doesn't say that the people aren't saved. It says that they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. But it doesn't say that these are the wolves in sheep's clothing. It's just talking about a group of people who are not out for the betterment of the other people in the church. They're not trying to get people closer to the Lord Jesus. They're trying to get their agenda uh, pushed. But what it talks about here is that you are supposed to mark them, which cause these divisions and the offenses that are contrary to the doctrine, which ye have learned. So these are doctrinal issues. They're beliefs about the Bible. And it says that you're supposed to mark them and avoid them. So this is something that I don't see that happens very 
often in a church. And the next one is, is not debating what direction the church should go, how we should believe, what we should do. The next one is specifically about sin. And let's, uh, let's take a look at this one. And it says, you're, uh, this is first Corinthians chapter five, and it goes down to, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, first Corinthians chapter five, verse six, and it goes all the way down through to, uh, verse 13. So I expect that we'll lose everybody who's listening to us live on this one. Cause it's like six whole verses. So here <clears throat> your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. For those of you that don't know, leaven is always representative in the Bible for sin. And the idea that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump when you bake bread, you can you can you don't have to mix the yeast evenly throughout the bread. You can you can literally just stick it right in the middle of the bread when you're making the dough, and it will cause all the dough uh, to rise. So the idea that. is is that it infects the you know now I mean no baker does that. You always mix everything to make it homogenous when you're making bread or cookies or whatever. But the point is that it doesn't need to be mixed in and homogenous. Okay, just a little bit of it is going to affect the entire uh, bit of dough. It's all going to rise. So <clears throat> uh, that's what we're talking about as far as the leaven. Now, uh, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with covetous or extortioners or with idolaters for then must needs be go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother, so called a brother, what does that mean? Caleb morning. They, they call themselves a Christian. They're born again, saved. You got it. They're born again. They're saved people. Okay. So if any man that is called a brother, be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one know not to eat for what have I to do? Sorry, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without do not ye judge them that are within people don't like this verse because it's asking you, why aren't you judging these people that are inside the church? But them that are without, God judgeth. See, we don't have to judge the people outside of the church. Okay, our job is to try to sharpen the iron, right? Iron sharpeneth iron. So we're trying to help each other stay sharp inside of the church. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. So this isn't a very popular, this isn't a very popular couple of verses for several reasons. Number one, it tells the individual Christian that they are supposed to avoid certain Christians that are involved with certain sins. They're not allowed to keep company with them. They're not allowed to eat with them. And we've brought these verses up in the past on this podcast. But then you also have that you are supposed to put away from among yourselves this wicked person. So the idea is that there are times when you are supposed to not allow someone to go to church. What do you think of that? It's very harsh. 
very harsh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, instructions for how instructions for how to be judgmental as a Christian, how to judge each other, and then exclude yeah. each other. Jesus would never do that, Patrick. Yeah, we should just be nice. So now follow me here because this. Now I'm going to give you another verse, okay? And this is this is just one verse, Caleb. So everyone should be able to make it through this one verse, okay? So this is in Proverbs chapter 22, and it's verse 10. And right here, there it is. It says, cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. See, isn't that great? Just get rid of the problem. And guess, right. guess what? The problem goes away. Now, the one of the issues is that people don't know how to do this. And they don't know how to do it biblically. And because of that, usually someone's experience with this is seeing it done poorly. And even when it's done well, feelings are hurt. The Bible never says that nobody will be upset with the outcome of this action. It, But you got to remember, Caleb, if you and your church decided, hey, there are some, there. Let, let's just say a person. There's, there's a person that is hurting all the members of the church when they come here, and they're a problem, and they're, they're getting in the way of us being able to worship the Lord. Would you ever consider saying, well, maybe we need to sit down and talk to them and tell them if their behavior doesn't change, they're not allowed to come here and worship with us anymore? That's it's that is a very that is very uh, radical thing to to can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine if we well, actually took that kind of a stand in a church I mean it's hard enough I'll just tell you this from experience it's hard enough when somebody in the church has sinned against somebody else in the church uh-huh. to to deal with a sin issue like that uh, yep. w- when you just got somebody that's got a a, a cranky attitude. Or there's, I'm not sure. I guess I'd have to look up what the word scorner means. Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe I'm a scorner. I don't know. But, <laughs> but you know, the the scorner what, is someone that constantly um, is uh, negative. The per uh, the person that has nothing good to say. The person that um, only brings everybody down. Right. Okay, that's the that's the one that casts scorn. The scorner. The scorner is the person that nobody wants to, you know, go out and have lunch with after church because they're nothing but negative. They're the person that complains about everything. They're the person that never has anything good to say. They're the person where when they're done speaking and you've heard them go on like this for a couple of years ago in a church, you roll your eyes and you think to yourself, why do you go here? Right. If it hurts that bad, don't do it. Like find another church to go to, but keep in mind, you know, this verse goes along with the other ones that we read about the people that bring that sin into the church. Cause it not only talks about the scorner, but contention, strife and reproach. Those things will also stop when you get rid of an individual. So let me give you an example, because this was one that was brought up to me, okay? So a friend of mine brought up a situation that they had where they they had a a jail ministry, and they would, um, 
you know, hold Bible studies in the, in the local jail. And then they would, uh, get these guys, um, they would go visit the families of the people that were in jail. And, uh, the families were always, you know, thrilled to have someone come and visit them and tell them how their, you know, son or daughter or brother or whatever was doing in jail. And they would go and give that family the gospel and they would get them saved and bring them to church, get them baptized. And, you know, then they'd go into jail and say, Hey, you know, thanks for, you know, directing me to your mom. She got saved. She got baptized. And that person in the jail is so thrilled because, you know, they got saved while they're in the jail. And, and then you start having these new families come. Well, with that, you have a lot of uh, substance abuse problems that you're trying to help people with, because I mean, let's face it, a lot of people that are in jail are there based on, um, drug and alcohol abuse, right. those things, you know, go together with why people get in trouble. One of my customers who is a police officer said, Patrick, if alcohol didn't exist, I'd be out of a job. Right. Okay. That, you know, people get arrested when they do something stupid <laughs> after, um, you know, right. people a, do stupid a, things a, after they drink yeah, after they start. Yeah. After they have a whole bunch of, whole bunch of, uh, beers in them, uh, they call it Budweiser but it, uh, it doesn't make you any wiser. <laughs> no, they need to call it bud dumber. So anyway, um, so they have a lot of, a lot of these folks that are new Christians and they're dealing with substance abuse. So they had, uh, this, uh, one girl who showed up and she was using the church as a place to find a new boyfriend every week who she could, you know, seduce and jump in the sack with and get back on to, you know, methamphetamines and, and partying over the weekend. So this started to become found out because <clears throat> all of a sudden this guy wouldn't, you know, be showing up at the church and neither was this girl. And then after a few weeks, the guy would be back in jail and then the girl would show back up to church and then a different guy would disappear. And they finally started to figure out that it was the same girl that kept coming around and getting all these new guys right out of jail who, you know, they're brand new Christians and they're not sure how to change their behavior and how to avoid the bad people, you know, and they have an attractive young lady who's showing a lot of skin and is, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's like right out of the Bible. There, there are verses in the Proverbs about this, you know, and she's enticing them with her words and her promises and, you know, getting them back on drugs. So anyway, this happened, you know, several times. And one of my friends, uh, who was a Sunday school teacher there, you know, called me up and, and we were talking about this and, you know, his question was, what do I do? And my answer was simple. It's like, kick her out of the church. You know, that's the problem. Now I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> to put a restraining order on her and have her dragged away, you know, during the middle of the service, the, the Bible goes through the steps and there are actually steps as far as how to do this. But the fact is, <clears throat> if someone is coming into the church and all they're doing is hurting everyone every time they get there, they're not there to worship the Lord. They're not there to learn the Bible. They're not there to pray with everyone. They are there as a predator and they're hurting everyone. Well, I, you know, I hate to say it, but a uh, church is one place where everyone wants to go and feel safe. So it's not okay that we allow that kind of stuff. You know, we have to absolutely deal with it. And um, in that case, it was a very simple solution. But my friend was as shocked as most of the listeners are going to be on this podcast by the suggestion that, sorry, you're not allowed to go to church here anymore. There are plenty of other churches where they're not going to give you a problem, but this ain't one of them. 
Okay. Cause we love our people and we want to protect them. Your thoughts on that. Well, that's, that's a pretty extreme example of somebody that obviously was in church for the wrong reason. So, Oh I yeah. Mean, it that's it, it it's becoming real quick obvious yeah real quick if people are not on board with kicking out this woman which i hate to say caleb is a home run right like this is a softball of a pitch just swing at it if right. people are not okay with this scenario where there is no redeemable attribute of this person, all they are doing is destroying the lives of families and church members and, you know, and dragging these guys back into substance abuse and addiction and getting them back in jail. If people are not okay with that, then I hate to tell you, they're never going to want to confront any sin that right. comes up in the church and the majority of churches are going to be the kind where <clears throat> they are just going to avoid all that stuff at all costs. And, and Caleb, I have a friend of mine, uh, who's a pastor here in church. I'm sorry, here in town, <clears throat> who's told me a couple times where he didn't even go about the process that the Bible talks about, he just stood at the church doors and one Sunday told the guy, Hey, you're not allowed here anymore. Wow. It's like, what are you talking about? He's like, because you're toxic. All you do is hurt everyone in this church every single time you're here and we're not going to have it. So if you ever decide you want to change, give me a call. But other than that, you're not allowed here. Just go away. Wow. And, <clears throat> and it was the best thing that ever happened to that church because this one guy was just hurting everyone. And it's not, nobody's condemning these people to hell. It's not like they can't go to a thousand other churches, but somebody had the sand to stand up to somebody that was bad and say, no, that's not what we're doing here. We're here to love and support one another and try to get each other closer to Jesus. And there are a lot of people that are naysayers and will you know, will sh shake their finger at this idea and call me a monster, but none of them are the people that are going out and trying to help these folks or change anyone's lives. They're just the armchair quarterbacks, you know, who just complain about how, you know, you gotta, well, you, you know, what would Jesus do? You gotta do like Jesus did. And it's like, okay, you're an idiot, you know, because Jesus wrote the book and the book says to kick out problems. So, you know, tell me what those verses mean if they don't mean what exactly what we're talking about here. Okay, well, sorry, jump on it. Well, that's interesting that you brought up that point after uh, after you you told the story, as far as as far as just quickly dealing with something like this. And mm -hmm. I think that especially in this in the situation of sin, there is there is a biblical grounds for dealing with something very swiftly, and making yeah. sure that they're not they're not among you. Uh, in the in the case of somebody who uh, I would, I would certainly, as a as a believer, as as an a uh, pew warmer myself, I would certainly <laughs> hope that if I had been, uh, you know, attending church somewhere, that I would at least be given the the opportunity to make things right before I was just you know given the axe. There sure. was we were <laughs> at a convention recently, and one of the pastors that was there, I believe he's a pastor of a Baptist church in Waco, and he was. He was saying how um, when he first moved to the church that there was 
at some of their committee meetings that there was some conflicts that he had noticed in the church that were uh, issues that everybody talked about, everybody's aware of. And he mm-hmm. said there was, uh, he gave the example, I don't know if these were true stories or, or just hypotheticals, but there was the lady that always wrote the long emails every week to uh, mm-hmm. the church staff complaining about this or that. And there was the other guy, there was some guy that uh, was unwilling to do the small group structure that the, the church was doing, and he wanted the old school Sunday, Sunday school. And so they gave him a room to have on Sunday mornings when everybody else split up into small groups. They gave him a room to teach his Sunday school class in, but nobody came to it. So he basically just sat in there and sulked every Sunday morning. (laughs) And so this pastor, you know, one of the first tasks that he had on the job was to address these issues. And so he went to the lady that writes the long emails and he's like, oh, hey, so you're the lady that writes the emails. And she's like, what? You heard about that? And he's like, yeah, everybody knows, you know, you write these long emails. He's like, don't do that anymore. Nobody reads your emails. And so she's like, okay, sorry, you know, whatever. And problem, problem fixed. The guy with the Sunday school class, he goes to him and he's like, oh yeah, you're the guy that has a problem with uh, church authority and you don't, you don't uh, care about this verse in Hebrews here that says you should submit to church authority. And so you just sit in the other room and sulk while everybody else studies the Bible. And the guy, the guy's like, really? He's like, people think that about me? And he's like, yeah, he's like, everybody knows. He's like, well, who told you that? And he's like, everybody knows this is, you know, it's obvious. And the guy just broke down in tears and he was very repentant. It was like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And he showed up with donuts to the next meeting. I think the guy said, anyways. And sometimes I think that that if you take uh, if you take a biblical uh, approach, like Matthew eighteen says, that if your brother sins mm-hmm. against you, to go to him and show him his fault in private, and then if he listens huh. to you, you've won your brother. So I think you sure. you always owe somebody, you know, you always owe them the respect of of trying to, if at all possible, live in peace. You know, don't, don't give them the axe sure. without them being aware of what their offense was. Um, but then in the, in the, the situation of sin, and I should look, I should look this verse up. Uh, you may know where it is, but it, it specifically mm-hmm. says to remove them swiftly. Um, uh-huh. And, and I, I know the, I know the, the ramifications of waiting because everybody's emotions are involved. And it's like, well, we didn't kick him out last week and we didn't kick him out the next week. And now it's a month. Mm-hmm. Now it's two or three months into it. And the sin issue is still sure. going on. So why did we kick him out this week? When we didn't kick him out last week or yeah. you know, the first week. So anyway, what what is okay? What, so yeah, well, there, okay. So there's two things. One one is you got to remember when we're talking about Matthew, and I sorry, I just closed my program. When we're talking about Matthew 18, <clears throat> we are talking about one-on-one problems. Right. Okay, we're not talking about a problem in the church. Now the church is used during Matthew 18 because there's three steps involved and and we'll and I think now is a great time to go over it but just remember there's a difference between problems that people bring into the church that affect everybody in the church and there's a difference between problems between you and I so let's go over Matthew 18 so Matthew 18 can be there can be a i mean just about any problem we could we could apply to this so long as it's one person against another so in this case I hire Caleb to whatever, do some dirt work out at my place and paint a shed and, you know, whatever. And I am not happy with Caleb's work and I refuse to pay him. Okay. We agreed on a thousand bucks and I say, nope, that's nonsense. I'm only giving you $500. And obviously Caleb feels slighted as he should. So now we have to settle this conflict. And the Bible says that we are not supposed to go to court. 
the Bible says that as Christians, we need to be able to settle this like men, and we should be able to do it uh, outside of the court. So in Matthew 18, I'm going to read three verses, Matthew 18, verses 15, 16, and 17. Moreover, if thy brother, okay, so we're talking about saved people, shall trespass against thee. So this is one person against another. Not have This is not church discipline. This is a conflict between two Christians. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So step one is very simple. Confront the person one-on-one. Do you agree with me so far, Caleb? Absolutely. Okay. Verse 16, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So if you're not able to work it out one-on-one, then the idea is you take two or three more people with you so that they can hear both sides. And that way there's no confusion about what was said because there are objective witnesses. They're able to stand there and just listen and use their ears. So there's no mix-ups still agreed. Yep. Verse 17. And this is where everyone stops short. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it onto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. So let's just go over these three steps real briefly, and Caleb, jump in whenever you want. So step one, which is verse 15, confront the person one-on-one. This is hands down the best time to resolve the problem, and blessings will come if the problem can be worked out at this point. It actually says that you, uh, thou hast gained thy brother. So Caleb comes to me one-on-one, and he says, Patrick, you said this, uh, this is what we agreed upon, you refused to pay it, you know, look, if I didn't do the work up to your satisfaction, let me know, I'll be happy to fulfill my part of the bargain, but, you know, I believe I fulfilled it, and you refused to pay me, and at that point, if I am, you know, hopefully not filled with pride and arrogance, I will hear Caleb, and I'll say, you know what, man, you're right, I was having a bad day, I'm so sorry, um, this is, uh, the way you're explaining it is the way that it should be done. Here's the rest of your money. Please forgive me for my problem. Okay. So that's the best case scenario. So the problem today is that people skip that step and what do they go directly to instead of confronting the person they avoid and them. dealing with it? Like the Bible says, yeah, they avoid them. And if they, instead of talking to the person, what do they do? They talk about them, right? So we skip confrontation. We go directly to gossip. So they don't tell someone uh, else of the problem so that the two can confront the one. They tell someone else of the problem in hopes to destroy that person who trespassed against them. So this goes against the clear teaching of the Lord Jesus um, in the Lord's prayer at the end of it. And it goes against the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 18. All right. So number two confront the person one uh, one with sorry confront the person with one or two others so <clears throat> keep in mind this is not an excuse for gossip 
as a matter of fact, it ensures that gossip won't happen because the one or two others that hear the matter will hear both sides, and their goal is to encourage both to get right with each other and right with God. So with others present, there is no chance for deception, for intimidation. There's no chance for people to talk past each other and misunderstand. That's the whole purpose of the other people. The one or two others may ask questions after listening and try to get to the bottom of the problem. And obviously the end goal is forgiveness by all parties. Agreed? Right. Okay. So if that doesn't happen, then there is step three. And this is what verse 17 in Matthew chapter 18 says, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it onto the church. Now, keep in mind, the idea here is that if Caleb brings witnesses, so I refuse to pay Caleb, Caleb ends up coming to me, I disagree, he comes back with witnesses, and then the witnesses are like, well, Caleb, you didn't tell us you were drunk when you were here and that you ran over the guy's foot and all this stuff. And it's like, we think him not paying you sounds right. right. Okay, Keep in mind, it doesn't mean that you're bringing your best friends to try to agree with you to force this guy into a position. It just means that we're bringing other people along to try to get to the bottom of the problem so that there can be someone there who's objective. Okay, so step three, tell the church. Caleb, would you agree that pretty much every single church in America that you've ever attended, with with understanding there might be an exception, Mm -hmm. would you agree that they all step stop prior to this step? Uh, Probably, except that I was never involved with conflict in any other church. Well, not only in two churches have I ever experienced where I was where I was really privy to to a conflict. You know, I heard of it, but I was never really there for it. But I I would agree that most of the time it probably gets skipped. Yeah. What I'm asking is not that you were one of the parties. I'm asking, were you ever in a church where it was brought up publicly that there's this problem and we need to deal with it? Uh, Yes. uh, In our church, it's been brought up on multiple occasions. There's been issues that were brought up publicly. I mean, to the whole church. Sure. Which is great most people would feel uncomfortable with that. Oh, yeah. And most churches... I mean, keep in mind, our church Avoid this like the play. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, have, uh, what, 30, yeah. 40 people in exactly. your church? Sure. So when you're a small group like that, that is when it works most easily. Right. The bigger the church, the less often this stuff is ever even going to be considered. Because, because it gonna... would be so horrifying... Right. <laughs> ...to so many people, you know, which also, you got to remember... This is the motive. When you're in a church that will do this, guess what? You're motivated to get this conflict resolved in steps one or two. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because nobody wants this stuff, you know, brought up in front of the whole church. Okay. So everyone stops here. There are exceptions, but the exceptions are few. For some reason, nobody wants to believe that telling the church is going to help, even though uh, the Lord Jesus clearly tells us to do it. So if the one who makes the trespass doesn't hear the church, then he is to be as a heathen man and a publican. That's what the Bible says. So the idea is that the person is welcome to come to church as soon as they 
fix the trespass. As soon as they repent, they're going to turn from that sin and the problem and the ideas that the person is then welcome to come back to the church. And everybody is supposed to, number one, want that person to come back. And number two, they're all going to be praying for that person to come back because they love them and they want that person back in the fold. And that's the idea. Um, the church is supposed to be polite. They're supposed to be encouraging. And whenever they see that person outside of the church, they should be able to go up to them and look them in the eye and tell them in sincerity, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I hope you're doing well. And if I can ever be a help, I want you to let me know it. Uh, but they draw the line at letting that person come and worship with them in the church. They cannot allow such behavior in the church. Tell me what your thoughts are on that. So I, I made a couple of notes while you're talking here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jump things, in, that, man. things that popped out at me. So the first one it, that you that you brought up here was the was the importance of, and I've messed this one up on at least a couple of occasions where I've yeah. later on looked back and I was like, I bet I, I should have done this different. Especially sure. being that our church is such a small church. Um, yeah. There's been times where I identified what I thought was an issue and I ran it by the pastor or mm -hmm. the, or a couple of elders in the church and said, this is what I see happening. I'm not sure what to do with yeah. it. And I wanted input. And quickly, then by the time that I went to actually have the one-on-one -on -one meeting with the brother, I felt like I had to apologize to them for mm -hmm. <laughs> gossiping about them. Even though I hadn't brought it to the whole church, I had run mm -hmm. it by somebody to get their advice and realized that that was the inappropriate channel. So there I have learned or I'm hopefully learning that uh, sometimes in order to hear somebody out, you should first go to them and talk to them. Even if you don't know that you have wisdom with it, first go to them and talk to them. Sure. And then after hearing them out and, and letting them know what, what, what your position is, that may resolve the issue. It may just be a misunderstanding, but then, mm -hmm. you know, then is it, if, if it's unresolved, then might be a, a, a more appropriate time to run it by the pastor. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. I've done it backwards because I was like, I'm not sure what I should do about this. Something seems off. And so I mentioned mm -hmm. it to the pastor or to somebody that's an elder in the church. And then I'm like, mm, maybe that was the wrong order to do that in, because now I put them in a, in a spot where they're like, mm -hmm. what do I do, you know, with this information? So yeah. I think that that is, I think that's actually really, really tricky to know where, where you cross that line as far as, or maybe it's not, maybe it's a, maybe it's a obvious black and white thing. And I've just ended up crossing the line into gossip without realizing it. And, yeah. um, and maybe for most people, that's just obvious. You don't go run it by the pastor first. So I actually had this situation happen once when I was a, a pretty young Christian and, um, <clears throat> uh, I had a person that was upset about something that I said at a Bible study and they, I can't believe happy. that. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Especially when I was younger, you know, with less tact. So I had someone that was upset with something that I said at a Bible study. And I was, even then, you know, when I read the Bible, it stuck pretty well. And I really enjoyed reading the Bible and, you know, I have a big mouth and I'm opinionated and I have strong views and it gets me in trouble all the time. So I'm new, I'm a pretty new Christian. I've only been in church for a year or two and I'm at this church and we're at a Bible study and I say something and it upsets this person. So anyway, I have the pastor 
give me a call and ask if uh, we can chit chat, you know, sometime the next week. And I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. You know, um, let me know when, you know, and I'm a young guy, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have anything to do. I go to work and, you know, I mean, that's about all that takes up my time. So we got together one evening, sat down in his office and he said, Hey, this person brought up this thing, you know, and that you said this at a Bible study and it really upset them. You know, did you say it? And I was like, well, before we uh, get to that, I said, why am I talking to you about it? And he was taken back and he's like, what do you mean? And I opened up the Bible to this and I was like, the Bible says that the first person that they're supposed to confront is me. And it says that they're supposed to confront me one on one. I said, so why didn't they call me and talk to me about this? And they're like, well, they didn't feel comfortable doing it. I was like, that's fine. Let me know when that happens. And I got up and I walked out of the office and I was like, that's it. I was like, you have no business talking to me about this until this person talks to me. I said, as soon as they talk to me, then they can come running to you and say, Patrick didn't listen. And then we can all sit down and talk about it. I said, but there's an order and you skip the step and I'm done with it. And that was, <laughs> and holy cow. I mean, he did not like that one bit, but you know what? I was completely within my rights and I was, I was correct. That's exactly what the Bible says. Okay. The Bible doesn't say, uh, to <clears throat> go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, if it's comfortable and if you want to do it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you have a problem with someone who is saved, who calls himself a brother. Okay. You go and talk to them about it. So it's like, let's all just go ahead and put, uh, you know, pull up our big boy pants and just do what the Bible says. So I don't know if that helps any, but for me, I don't really have anything to say to someone who's talking to me as a third party. Right. Because the Bible never talks about that. Well, so, there was, if in my situation, um, I, of course, I don't think it's ever more complex, and you should never make a situation more complex than it is. In my situation, there was in once in one situation, I wondered if I was the one in the wrong. I'm like, am I mm -hmm. am I the crazy one here, or does this seem like something that I should bring up? So I ran it uh -huh. by the pastor, and then pretty soon I was like, shoot, I should have not said anything. <laughs> I should have gone to him first. And in the other situation, it was it was a uh, a legal issue, and so there wasn't really there wasn't really much grounds for going and giving him a chance and a second chance and a third chance. It was you know it was it was it needed to be taken to the law, and so it was brought to the church, taken to the law, and I completely skipped steps one and two. Well, pretty much skipped steps one and two, and maybe I maybe I should have done it differently. When you, I, I need to circle back to that whenever yeah. you're done. No, that that was it. But I mean. I, I can see how people end up. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of situations where where you don't intend to gossip at all. That's not your intention, and you end up gossiping because you accidentally skip this first or second step. And I found myself doing that, especially if you're a non-confrontational kind of person, which I'm not terribly non-confrontational. I don't mind confronting an issue if it needs to be confronted, but I also, yeah. you know, I also don't just seek out confrontation. And so I yeah. like to keep peace. And it's like you said. Sure. You don't, you don't skip it just because it's uncomfortable. You know, you don't skip yeah. those steps, but yeah, go ahead. So <clears throat> one, uh, two things. Number one, when, when laws have been broken, Caleb, uh, you want to call the police, right? 
across the board. When there is conflict, like the example we gave about you and I with an agreement and working and and not being willing to pay, that's a civil dispute. Right. That's not a criminal action. And the, what the Bible's saying is that we we shouldn't have to go before the judge and plead our case to them. We have a higher authority. And that is uh, the people that we get together with every day and worship God with. We're supposed to be like a family and we're supposed to be able to work these things out. And at the end of the day, you know, sometimes it's not going to work and everyone's feelings are going to be hurt and it's going to be a mess. But, you know, guess what? It was going to be a mess if you went and sued them anyhow. So I just want to say that real quick. If there's an issue and the laws are broken, you know, what you have to do is um, just go ahead and call the cops, you know, when laws are broken. We're not trying to tell you to avoid uh, having um, the criminal justice system be a part of it. Okay, number two, um, you had the idea that you shouldn't have gone and talked to the pastor about it first. And I don't really think that's true. I think there's nothing wrong with you going and talking to the pastor and trying to get some counsel as far as how should I do this and what to do. I can tell you this, me as a pastor needs to be able to tell the guy that comes to me, uh, this is the way I think you should handle it. This is why. These are the questions to ask. This is what might happen. I'm not going to get involved beyond this until you go and talk to this individual. After you have completed step one, then come back to me. I'll be more than happy to go with you. But I am not going to show up unless you go and, and ask them at least these questions and say these things. Right. You know, because you have to try to resolve it on your own. But using another, you know, brother or sister who's a Christian loved one to use as a sounding board and try to get some direction, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, as a pastor personally, it's like I have no desire to get involved with any of these messes. So right. all I'm going to ever tell everyone, I'm going to open up to Matthew 18 and say, hey, guess what? Until you talk to them one on one, I'm not involved. Right. After that happens, I'll be happy to fulfill my role. So I think that's the job of the other Christian brother or the pastor to know the Bible in that case. Yeah, I've almost I've almost come to the conclusion that it's probably more healthy to ha to find somebody that's that's uh, a part of a church, another church that you respect, or another another brother that you respect. You can yeah. sound things off of that isn't going to possibly affect friendships or you know. I agree. Yep. And that's that's where, especially in a small church where everybody knows everybody, and um, it's it can put it can put the the weight of of not gossiping on somebody's shoulders mm -hmm. to all of a sudden keep a secret, so to speak. And of course, that's never the yeah. intention. The intention yep. is to resolve an issue that needs to be dealt with. And so, yeah, it definitely it definitely can become a an issue where I've had to make a phone call and and not even address the problem that needed to be addressed because all of a sudden I realized that my problem was bigger. You know, I'm like, all right, now I just yep. need to call and apologize for gossiping because yeah, you know, well, and, and, you know, honestly, Caleb, I have a pastor out in Virginia. I have another one out in California. I got some Christian friends. I mean, I've called you before and run stuff by you where I'm like, Hey, this is what's going on. I'm not sure, you know, uh, what to do. And, uh, what should we, what do you, what do you think? There's nothing wrong with that. And honestly, I think it's great nowadays with how easy, um, communications are. We can, 
we can talk to somebody all over the world that can right. be a closed mouth you friend. You don't have to wait three weeks for Paul. To we don't get have your to letter. write a letter. <laughs> yeah. For the sailboat to get around the, you know, <laughs> yep. No, I agree. I, so I don't see, I don't see an issue, you know, um, I don't see an issue with that. Uh, let me ask you, man, we're already about 10, 11 minutes past. You want to call this? Cause I know you and I still have some stuff we got to do when we're done here tonight. We're not going to, we're not going to be off of here for another hour. Oh yeah. You mentioned something about, uh, the covetous. I was wondering is, is me coveting your bitcoins? Is that a uh, reason to kick me out of the that, church? That, that could be a reason, you know, to, uh, break fellowship with you. Of course, the thing is, um, I would never know that you are covetous of my well, cryptocurrency. In, in case, so in case you'd you, have in to case express you weren't, that. In case you weren't aware, I should express there's this verse in Acts where it says they just sold mm. everything and they shared all things in common. So I think this would yeah. be a very a very kumbaya experience here if you would just for me for me to do. Yeah, yeah. For me to liquidate everything. Yeah, yeah. We can just share, share it. Share it. Be, you know, between all of the members of the Bible Thumper podcast I'm, here. I'm trying to see if there's anything the Bible says where I should not rub your nose in my <laughs> cryptocurrency holdings once a week. So uh, if it's like, do not tempt a brother, that is that in there somewhere? Anyway, I don't know. All right. I think we should call it just because um, it's been a good discussion and uh, we can uh, jot down all of our thoughts that we didn't get to and, and bring it up uh, next week. So Sharon, you had a question. Should this be done in private first? I'm going to say yes. That's always the goal is confront everyone you know, one-on-one. -on -one. That's the purpose is to see if the Lord can work in their heart. And, and before you go and, and you confront someone one-on-one, -on -one, I would say uh, definitely take some time, pray about it, um, maybe add fasting and prayer to it, and really see if God can work on their heart and get it fixed right there before it has to go any further. That's the ideal situation. Doesn't always work, but that's what we try. I had not looked at the comments, but I just, since you brought that up, I just noticed we had another comment here. Uh, Chris Troyers said, uh, only by pride cometh contention does this apply to church conflict uh man i don't know this well, is this definitely i think humility goes a long ways in avoiding conflict but i have definitely seen conflicts mm -hmm. where where there are values and and doctrinal issues that mean so much to somebody that um depending on how how dogmatic a church is about it you may almost have mm -hmm. to, i mean it may really create a conflict i know i know churches that are very very strong on on where on their position where they stand and so uh, of course i think this maybe is speaking more to the church issue rather than individual members within the church but as far as doctrinally there there comes a point where where if you have convictions and and you're in a church that does not allow you to to live out your convictions peacefully i mean there's no there's no amount of humility that is going to resolve that in my opinion i mean i'm very blessed to be a part of a church where where there's different brothers in the church that i know hold different convictions and we all worship peacefully together and and it's uh, our church constitution so to speak um you know sets up that that there's things that are left up to heads of households to make decisions for how they how they you know practically apply the word of god in their homes and it's not the church leadership's job to 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 dictate to you how you apply god's word to your practice you know just your everyday life mm -hmm. so i i don't know i think that 
I think that there's some situations where I've seen people in a church that it's like, man, this is a conflict. It's a major conflict. And the only way, the only way to resolve this conflict is for you to break and, and go, go their route. But if you have convictions that you hold that are contrary to that, I mean, I don't know if, if enough mm -hmm. humility resolves that conflict or not. Certainly pride, uh, pride will definitely lead to contention. And I've, I've seen that firsthand. I'll tell you what, you know, one of the funny things about Caleb, you ever run into the person where you ask them what they think about this or that? And their answer is, well, my church believes this. Mm -hmm. My church believes thus and so. 90% 90, 90 of Christians. Yeah. And I always correct them. I'm like, well, actually, your church doesn't hold any beliefs or have any thoughts. Uh, the church is made up of people and the people decide, you know, what is going to be uh, the direction the church goes. You know, so it, it's made up of individuals. And in the same way, you know, Pride cometh before contention and a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, does that apply to church conflict? And it's like, well, I get what you're saying, but at the end of the day, the church is made up of a bunch of individuals. And right. if you run into an inv individual who loves the Lord and doesn't want conflict and wants to find a peaceful resolution and is okay with admitting they are wrong, if they see it in the Bible, then it's going to go great. And the conflict's not going to be a big deal. Unfortunately, <clears throat> God writes so much against pride because it's prevalent everywhere. So that's hard to find people in any church that are like that. It's hard to find Christians that have a soft heart and are willing to say, hey, look, I just want to find the truth here. And it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. What matters is that we find out what the Bible says, and then we all do that. And if we're, if we can do that, then we're, we're doing well. So that, that's kind of my take on it. I was, I was thinking about this after last week, after our podcast on uh, Christianity being arrogant. And I was thinking, mm -hmm. it seems to me that some of the most prideful people that I know are the mo also the most ignorant. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like as you become, as you, as you study God's word, as you become wiser, it, it naturally creates more of a humility in somebody somebody where they realize i'm just a sinner <laughs> you know and it, mm -hmm. it it really helps god's word is a really it's it's a really good dose of humility um, when you yeah. when you when you dive into his word so I, I i was thinking about that i was mowing some grass the other day and and i was thinking about our our episode on christianity being arrogant i was i was thinking of some people that i know that are that are extremely prideful and also extremely mm -hmm. ignorant and i was like you know, the, the, they the Bible seem to go together. Yeah, it does. It just seems to go together. <laughs> yeah. And the Bible, the Bible talks on that. There was a verse that I had. Well, we, here we are. Like, yep, go ahead. Just drag it on. <laughs> we'll make it an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, man. No, that's fine. There's there's a verse that I'd come across earlier where it, where it talked about about somebody, somebody that has um, their, their words being like a sword and where they're just full mm -hmm. of they're full of their, their opinions and, and whatever. I think my camera might've just given up on me, but uh, sometimes our, our words do become a, a sword and we become very foolish when we just have to open our mouth and spout off and become ignorant, arrogant. Well, that, that'll do it for me.
Okay. Good job, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. And we will see you next Sunday. And we'll tell you what we're talking about whenever we start it up. It'll be something wonderful and thought-provoking, I'm sure. Have a good week. And thanks for coming on and listening. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Happy Mother's Day.